I'm Floyd Hall, and I am here on the campus of Spelman College speaking with the curators of the current exhibition in the Spelman College Museum of Fine Art. That exhibition is entitled Africa Forecast, Fashioning Contemporary Life. And I have with me uh, in person and over the speakerphone, uh, the two curators. Uh, beside me right now is uh, Andrea Bronwell Brownlee. And on the phone is Erica Dahlia Massaquai. Erica, Andrea, hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Floyd. Thanks for having us. Thank you, too, for spending some time with me in this moment. Uh, so let's, let's start at the beginning. This exhibition is not your first time working together. So can you take us back to when you first when you first met, but when you first started to work together professionally and what that was like? Sure. Erica, you'll have to remind me of the specific year but when I became the director of the museum back in 2001, I always mm -hmm. had my eyes and ears peeled for interesting projects that were being organized by other black women curators. And one of the exhibitions that came to my attention was entitled Race in Digital Space. So through a number of mutual friends and um, artists that Erica and I both knew, they connected us. And the exhibition opened at the List Center at MIT, and the Studio Museum in Harlem was one of the venues for the exhibition. So when it was on view at the Studio Museum in Harlem, several artists encouraged me um, and Erica to connect, but I'll let her say a bit about that really dynamic exhibition, Race and Digital Space. Oh, sure. So Race and Digital Space was um, a spinoff from the work that I'd written about in my dissertation. So it was considering new ways to talk about race and electronic media, um, and it explored pop culture's relationship between digital practice and emerging art and it really was dealing with um, the history of multicultural media art from about 1950 until at that point the year 2000 um, with a focus on experimental media um, in African-American culture. So it was a multimedia exhibit and it featured film, video, at that time CD-ROMs and internet art. <laughs> Um, some sound pieces um, as well. So it was a multimedia show. My PhD is in cinema um, studies. So I worked as a curator of film and video for a very long time. And so it was an area of academic exploration that hadn't been written about in the breadth and level as I did in my dissertation, which was titled Electroculture. So there was documentary work, what I at that point was called and cut and mix work, a lot of hybrid work, um, and a lot of artists who were dealing with themes of futurism um, in the diasporic experience in their work. So yeah, that show had um, a long tail and a great run opening up at List, and we were able to collaborate with um, some of the media artists who were working at the MIT Media Lab. It was the first um, film and video show that the Studio Museum in Harlem had done. And so it was a real treat for it to travel down to um, the Spelman College Museum of Fine Arts. So that was 
my goodness, um, about more than a decade ago. So when Andrea reached out to me two years ago to work on Africa Forecast, I jumped at the opportunity. Now, Erica, I know that you have uh, a very strong focus on fashion in in your work uh, where you currently are out in Seattle. Could you speak a little bit more on that? Sure. So my interest in fashion is long running. I've been like a lover of fashion since I was 11, 12 years old and have been collecting vintage fashion ever since I was 15 years old. So in terms of my orientation in art and design, fashion was my first love. And before I moved out to Seattle four years ago, my last post was as assistant dean of the School of Art and Design at the Fashion Institute of Technology. So in that post, of course, I was, you know, working with students and professors where fashion was the signature, um, but also the manner in which fashion influenced the practices of visual presentation and exhibition design, computer animation, photography, accessories, fine arts, graphic design, interior design. Um, so by the time I got to Seattle, I really understood the breadth and depth in terms of curriculum and instruction in art and design practice, and I had the opportunity to establish my own company titled The Ula Company. So we import textiles from emergent markets um, made in the USA. So it's women's wear, homewares, and children's wear with an eye on the diverse beauty of textiles from emergent markets. So when Andrea contacted me. I was really in the throes of starting that company. Um, had recently curated a show on high-end African fashion photography. So it was a good moment for me to think about how we could address fashion from a multidisciplinary perspective, um, dealing with women of color from the continent and beyond. You mentioned that uh, you all first had conversations about this exhibition two years ago. And I'm, mm-hmm. I know that in the, the fashion world, things can change in, in two years. And uh, even as you plan an exhibition like this, things can change in two years. So can, can you speak to maybe um, how you evolved um, in, in, in terms of your thinking about this exhibition um, over that two-year span, uh, Andrea? So you're making me reflect back to literally almost two years ago today, Erica and I going to the 154 Fair in London and starting to think about the artists that we wanted to include, the artists that we wanted to conduct studio visits with, and really refining and shaping the project. We knew that we were not going to stick in in a in a realm or within a rubric that was going to be strictly about the runway. We absolutely knew that. But when we got to the 154 um, exhibition, it just underscored that we were going to have to edit and be very, very thoughtful in terms of curating this exhibition. When you bring artists and fashion designers together, although they are oftentimes grappling with similar issues, they're also going about their productivity and fashioning their their lives in very different ways. Their strategies differ, um, how they go about 
going from start to finish in terms of production was very, very different. So it's literally two years ago where we were at the 154 fair looking at different artists, narrowing down our checklist, and really thinking about how we were going to both scale back as well as scale up in order to think about contemporary trends as well as the number of things that they are addressing in their work at the same time so i can't believe that was two two years ago but it it truly it truly was that that was two years ago and we've spoken even earlier than the fall i feel like it was the spring when we first started having those conversations and you know the question is why africa forecast and literally within the past three to four years contemporary african art that market has just um become so large and in fashion specifically, um, the luxury market with its focus on Africa um, had become really, really big. And so that has a trickle-down effect in terms of its influence. And so instead of just focusing on makers, fashion designers, or focusing on the runway, we really wanted to have a conversation about how the fashion and art marketplace as built around Africa is employing contemporary artists. And those are from a variety of of strategies. I mean, some people are approaching it from a more pop perspective, from a more experimental perspective, from a more commercial mainstream perspective, from avant-garde perspectives. I mean, it runs the gamut from the high end of what we consider the luxury market until influences coming out of, you know, markets throughout the continent. And, you know, as again, I reflect back, one of the things that we were very clear about was that we wanted the artists' voices themselves and the designers' voices themselves to really resonate throughout the space. We asked artists very specific questions about how they go about fashioning their lives on Mm -hmm. a regular basis. And it was a very deliberate strategy to have their voices resonating within this space and have it be honestly less about our thoughts and putting our thoughts onto the work and allowing the artists' voices to really be among the, the principal perspectives and voices that are presented on a daily basis via wall text primarily. Um, in the space itself. So really wanted to privilege yep. artists in very direct and deliberate ways. And gave them the opportunity um, to respond to that. There's a great deal of original work in the show. And when we proposed these questions to the artists, one big query was referring to what the philosopher Franz Fanon called the lived experience of the black, you know, and how as an artist, of color or a black artist, are you really fashioning your life? How are you creating a life for yourself um, in a distinct way with being mindful of the social, cultural perspectives and how that's different and how you will be in conversation with a variety of artists in the show? So it was sort of transparent and multidisciplinary in that sense from the very start. I would be remiss if I did not mention that this exhibition coincides with 
the 20th anniversary of the Spelman College Museum of Fine Art, and there are 20 artists who are involved in this exhibition. So when you're looking at a collection of artists uh, of that number, what are some of the considerations that you make when you are uh, crafting the the experience that the the viewer will um, will go through? We were very careful and deliberate about including a variety of mediums, a variety of perspectives. We wanted women artists that lived in various places throughout the world. We wanted to focus on globality. We wanted to make sure that the works were all visually arresting. And we were also clear that original work, you know, balancing the inclusion of original work as well as works we had already seen was very, very important to us. You know, we think about what it means to turn 20 years old, and I've always used this um, the sort of metaphor of, you know, we're no longer unruly teenagers here at the museum, and it's time to really think about what it means to be, you know, out of our teenage years. We wanted to make sure that we presented women whose voices were fresh, that were not necessarily, at this point, household names, that we wanted to present a variety of, of perspectives. But more than anything, we wanted it to be beautiful. Eric and I talked on many occasions about the marketplace and how so many of the, the hanging strategies and the installation strategies and the works in general that we, we chose were really about the marketplace. And so we really do hope and, and believe that the exhibition does reflect that type of, of diversity. I mean, when I, when I walk in the space every day and I think about how I am literally met by, you know, incredible photographs that were meant initially for Instagram by Joanna Chumali, contrasting those with these incredible, incredible garments created by Mimi Plange or, you know, by Madame Wilkie, or when I go to the other side of the museum and there's this extraordinary gown that is constructed of paper (laughs) and then just a stone's throw away there's this exciting dynamic splash of a video and it is extraordinary so when I think about what Rora Natasha Ogonji has created through that video which is called Strut it really does encapsulate so many of the things that we were trying to to, to convey about the variety of works that women of the African diaspora create. So 20 years young, 20 years young. Yep. And I think also just to add to what Andrea was saying, when we were talking about the marketplace, we were also talking about capturing the spirit and the energy of what it feels like to be in the marketplace. And a lot of that has to do with the sensory elements. So all of the bright color, which, you know, is one of my favorite pieces, the bright pink, the blue, um, the dynamic green that you see. All of those create um, a sensorium for visitors who are coming into the museum. So be it conceptual art or there's a lot of portraiture, there are a lot of bespoke garments. I mean, there's sculpture as well. You are transplanted into a very 
stylized space um, that involves the spectator to engage all of their sensory elements. And I think that that piece is what's truly exciting for audiences. Apart from just seeing affirmative images of black women surround them, I think that that has been extremely affirming, particularly to the students and the faculty. You know, our, the general public has also responded very, very favorably to this exhibition. The number of tours that we have conducted um, has really gone through the roof. The requests for private viewings has also um, increased tremendously with this show. So when we think about people like Amy Sherald or Ebony Patterson or Vanessa German, you know, that have exhibitions that are currently on view in other cities and other spaces, or we think about people, you know, like Alina, Iris Victor, you know, they're all doing such incredible things. I was having a conversation about Fearly Baez just a few days ago and how extraordinary her work was at a fair in Chicago recently. I say all that to say that all the women that are featured in this exhibition are doing amazing things on various continents, in various contexts, and we really wanted that snapshot to debut here at Spelman. Yeah, when I think about artists who have sort of grown out of that sort of emerging artist space, I think about the art of Brenda Youngblood or the art of Billy Zangewa. Um, They were so wonderful in creating new pieces for us for this show. So that by default escalates the discourse within the show um, and that so many of the artists were not only responding to our questions but also the practice of their fellow artists. Um, That's a special part, I think, of working on multidisciplinary shows. In the last show I just came off of, um, was a multidisciplinary show, Disguised Mask and Global African Art, which also featured art um, from the continent and beyond. And that's actually my favorite way to work. I love working with different perspectives, different practices. Um, I feel that my work as a curator in that sense is extremely service-oriented. So we're just putting the puzzle together um, for the public to take in. Um, So it's very rewarding, and it's a very creative process in that sense as well. Erica, you mentioned uh, the vibrancy of the color uh, earlier, and I believe that as a visitor to the exhibition, that's the first thing that that really does strike you. And I believe that um, it's something that pulls you in and really uh, makes you want to investigate what is is being presented to you. Um, And there's one other aspect about that, um, that visitor experience that I would love for Andrea uh, to comment on, and that is the notion of being your own muse. Uh, that's something that uh, visitors to the exhibition will see. There's a hashtag there that's pretty prominent, and this is something that I think is is uh, very important. And Andrea, I would like for you to elaborate on that and what that means. 
For so long, we contemplated about what our tagline was going to be as an institution. Unfortunately, Spelman College Museum of Fine Art does not create a very, you know, melodic acronym. So we started having this conversation literally two years ago about what we would want our ideal hashtag to be. And it became a conversation that was both long and witty. And over time, we settled on the term spell muse. Around that time, we also started reflecting on a visit that we had years and years ago from Carrie Mae Weems. And somebody asked her in the audience, why are you always the subject of your own photographs? And she said, I know myself the most. I am most familiar with myself. And why wouldn't I be my own muse? In a way that only Carrie May could. And we reflect on that statement often. And we think about the fact that oftentimes women, not just black women, but women have been the subject of a male artist's gaze and work for centuries. So what happens when we turn that on its ear as an institution? And as an institution, we begin to unapologetically prioritize that. What happens to the viewer experience? What happens to the artists that come here to present their work? So when we started thinking about wait a minute, not only are we going to celebrate the fact that Carrie Mae Weems is her own muse, we want to encourage other people to consider themselves their own muse. So when we started a very slow burning social media campaign about being your own muse, you know, don't be afraid, in fact, relish in the moment of being your own muse. That's really what we were talking about, claiming your space, and celebrating the life you live as well as the life that you fashion for yourself. So something that we're very, very excited about are exciting uh, Be Your Own Muse t-shirts are hot off the press. And we're excited about, <laughs> we're excited about spreading that, that message of celebrating yourself in all of the facets that you represent. So I know that's a very, very long answer to your question, but it's something that we're very, very passionate about and something that we hope that women on Spelman's campus and certainly beyond will begin to, to consider as we go forward. Yeah, I think that that was really affirmative, particularly during the opening events for the show, that you could celebrate the diversity of your experience and the beauty of your experience. And since we've been referring a lot in this conversation to diversity and beauty, I think it's useful to just point out, you know, from how many places these artists are coming from. I mean, there's a U.S. perspective, but we have artists who are either living, practicing, or from, uh, let me see if I can name them all, Jamaica, the Dominican Republic, the Ivory Coast, Nigeria, Johannesburg, Haiti, Ghana, and Sierra Leone. So it's a very pointed global perspective um, that allows audiences to really feel like they are 
truly um, celebrating the, diverser, the diversity um, of women of color from a global perspective. And I think that that's important. That's special to point out. One of the, the things that I've really enjoyed is spending time with different groups in the space. And something happened about two or three weeks ago that I haven't been able to get out of my mind and the museum staff hasn't either. To summarize, there was a tour that I was, was giving to a group of four autistic young men between the ages of 14 and 18. And they absolutely loved the show. And in the beginning of our tour, one of the young men, he kneeled down and he crouched down and his father came to his side and they had an exchange. And his father said to me, he wants you to know that he is overwhelmed by this exhibition and he is so excited to be here. At that particular moment, it just really, really underscored that there was something that was more special about this project than I really ever thought about before. It reaches people, it reaches communities in ways that we never imagined. It is important to me as the director of the museum to always keep people guessing, if you will. And by that, I mean mixing up the shows that we present. The last exhibition that we presented entitled Black Chronicles 2, which was originated um, by Autograph in London, was very, very different. It was a black and white photography exhibition. The space is totally transformed from the last show. So when I think about this young man telling his father to share with me how he is completely smitten and overwhelmed by the project. It just resonated and hit home in a way that um, truly brought tears to my eyes. It was a, a, a brilliant, brilliant moment for Africa Forecast. Those are the type of responses that make your work feel like it's truly worthy when visitors can be stimulated and fascinated and engaged and their sensibilities have been honestly transformed um, in a sense where they can take what they've learned and they can take the manner in which they have been transformed, be it emotionally, you know, psychically, even physically, um, and they can continue those conversations outside of the walls of the museum. Then you've become, you've come full circle in terms of what your conceptual thesis was. And then it's become real world. Um, and that, as a curator, it's the most affirmative feeling I think that you could have. And one of the things that has really been affirmative for us is the opportunity to keep a piece of Africa forecast going long beyond you know, the close of the exhibition. One of the things that we have done is identified works that we're just refusing to let leave once the show closes and works that, we, <laughs> works that we want to acquire for the permanent collection. And people have really started to respond to that. They've heard our cry and have been saying, yeah, we don't want this work to leave Atlanta either. And I want to be helpful in that vein. So there are works that will indeed 
be welcomed into the Spelman College permanent collection. There's no place like Spelman College. And when we think about leaving works here that will enhance the curriculum for generations to come and be explored and researched beyond the run dates of Africa Forecast, it really does just underscore how important and how special this this place is. You all know that I can't say enough about the Spelman College Museum of Fine Arts staff and we do indeed consider ourselves a small but mighty team and when we think about people like Erica and the artists that say yes when we extend invitations to work with us or to be in exhibitions it, it really does indeed um, make me think about the the long-range plans and excitement that surrounds this place. Yeah, and you know, and people say yes because it's an opportunity to take risks, you know, um, to collapse the genre um, of African fashion, um, to create a space that's beautiful and that's elegant, and to talk about the mediation of a very rich and textured history, it was it was my pleasure and definitely the artist's pleasure to to say yes wholeheartedly because for us it was it was celebratory and to have your practice as a creative be celebratory um, it's just wonderful. As we wrap up, Andrea, could you please let uh, our listeners know uh, how long the exhibition will be available uh, and on view and. Uh, Erica, I will then ask you to let our listeners know uh, what's next for you. So, Andrea. So, Africa Forecast, Fashioning Contemporary Life, will be on view at the Spelman College Museum of Fine Art through December 3rd, 2016. One of the upcoming highlights that I would be remiss if I did not mention is the opportunity to spend an evening with Lena Iris Victor, Mimi Plange, and Fearley Baez on November 30th. They will be here in conversation in a program entitled Artist Talk, which will be moderated by Kristen Juarez. So that's our final event of the exhibition before it closes on December 3rd. And it just promises to be an exceptional conversation. Um, and in terms for me, um, I am scaling the ULA company, which is doing really well. and. I serve as a consultant curator for the Seattle Art Museum, and my next project is the redesign of their porcelain room, um, and we're focusing on video and, and porcelain, um, as well as using the medium of scent for the first time, which is exciting, and that will open in the fall of 2018. This conversation has definitely been enlightening and enjoyable for me, and hopefully for our listeners as well, uh, Andrea Barnwell-Brownlee and Erica Dahlia Massaquai, thank you both for your time. Thank you, Floyd. Thank you, Floyd.